0: Good evening, ladies and gents, kings, queens, things, everyone, and everybody in between. I'm Lee from the D back with.
1: Um,
2: yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm Shay. I'm here. I'm tired. You know.
0: And this is reality. Rewind. I just got a piece of ice cream. Um
1: yeah.
0: this week we are diving into the world. Well, the documentary of Lula Rich, but also the world of Lula Row, the world crafted by Deanne and Mark Stidham.
2: Yes, yes, it is a crazy town.
0: Probably, almost as insane as Nexium.
2: Close. Remember,
0: Nexium started off the same way as a. Um, well, I mean, Lula Row isn't MLM. I mean, Lexi- but Nexium started off as an MLM
2: hmm it definitely was an mlm like it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah no this is very close mm.
0: so just to give you all a little bit of a backstory on lularoe and this is just actually pulled from the wikipedia page mm-hmm. lularoe is a united states-based multi-level marketing company that sells women's clothing it was founded in 2012 by deanne brady and her husband mike mark stidham and is currently based in corona california as a multi multi-level marketing company lularoe recruits independent distributors referred to the firm as fashion consultants to sell products directly often through social media lularoe reported sales of approximately one billion dollars us in 2016 which would have made it the largest firm in multi-level marketing industry at the time and by 2017 Approximately eighty thousand independent distributors were selling the company's clothing. The company has received criticism and faced lawsuits lawsuits, excuse me, from distributors and consumer advocates over several issues related to the business model and problems with the quality and design of its products.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that gives you just kind of a general idea of um, what Lululemon is. Um, yeah. So, just small critique of the documentary. Uh, the documentary wanted to tell a nice, neat, kind of digestible story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. But LuLaRoe as a company is really so much more than that. Um, there were even things that they didn't even... Hmm?
2: They tried to give an end to a story that's still happening.
0: <clears> they <throat> tried to give an end to the most digestible one.
2: Yeah, but it's like this story is still actively going on, so can you put a button on it in
0: the way? No. Right. Yeah, no. Um, so, okay, LuLaRoe started in 2012, and according to the documentary and other sources, it started with Diane, I'm sorry, Diane and Mark. However, I was reading about and found out that it actually started. LuLaRoe wasn't the first MLM that Deanne actually created. Uh, LuLaRoe, I don't want to say it was the second, but it followed the one. Well, it it transitioned from one that she and her sister had started called Fitted. Her twin yeah. sister, Diane. Yeah,
2: because that's when they were selling the skirts out their trunk. Like, they tried it, when- like that was just a hobby, but it very much was an MLM.
0: Well, they tried to act like that was a hobby and that Deanne was the only one doing this because her sister Diane spun off another MLM after leaving LuLaRoe and this was the exact same story that she would tell.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it's interesting too because, so she also tells about uh, going to this open air market and finding these expensive little girls' dresses there is a, um, what got left out of the documentary, right? Mm-hmm. It's um, it's a subtract, but it's written by, what is her name? Anne Helen Peterson, yeah, Anne Helen Peterson where she talks to a woman named Meg Connolly. And Meg actually grew up in the same community and actually went to the same church as uh, Deanne did in the beginning stages of everything. And what she was saying was that like um, open air market, she was uh, Deanna went to was actually a swap meet. Yeah, And it wasn't just one vendor there selling dresses. There were multiple vendors there selling dresses and it wasn't expensive dresses. They were just little girls dresses. Mm -hmm. Um, She also talks about how her mother, who was also a member of the LDS church, Uh, that Deanne and um, I think at the time, yeah, Mark would have also belonged to.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, She always said she never trusted Deanne. She never trusted her judgment. Um, She never trusted her products. And Deanne was always trying to sell something. And her mother made a very like important statement, especially considering as, especially being a member of the LDS Church. She said, if a product isn't good enough to be bought in a store, why am I risking taking the chance of buying it from you?
2: Right,
1: right.
0: And I specified the LDS because the same woman also talks about how um, many uh, uh, multi-level marketing schemes or multi-level marketing companies, rather, I'll just use that, um, are created from and worked within the um, Church of Latter Day Saints. Mm-hmm. Which it in and of itself has been accused of by former members of being exactly that, exactly a pyramid scheme, right? So Deanne begins selling these. Deanna and her sister begin selling these skirts after doing little girls' dress parties. Um, she gets her first influence not influencer her first well influence yeah pretty much influencer slash fashion consultant uh by the name of Brittany Hunter um there's a reason why I brought up her name specifically but we'll get to her later
2: the LuLaRoe influencer is a whole different world though
0: yeah it is it really is
2: everything about LuLaRoe is like its own universe so it's like you like try to apply like colloquialisms but it's like hard to because it's like its own place in the
0: world but you know what though the way in which LuLaRoe was telling its um mm-hmm. consultants telling them how to create their social media image was that of an influencer yeah you know very, what I mean
2: yeah. very very it's much it's like
0: yeah they, this is the exact same thing you're just it was
2: somebody crazy. who wholly understood what works in the algorithms
0: mm-hmm her her kids mm-hmm You know, instead of trying to tell like an actual narrative with this, because there's so much, we should just kind of take it loosely and just talk about points. Yeah,
2: it it needs to just be a flowing conversation because it's kind of, because like, okay, so I was always very aware and very engrossed in the LuLaRoe world, but I lived in the suburbs at the time that they were like really popping. So it was consistently around me. This is the first time I ever saw the founders of Lulu. I never knew what they looked like. And that whole two of my adoptive kids married each other kind of threw me off a little bit.
0: Oh, no, they weren't adopted. They were actually Mark's biological son, I think, and her biological daughter.
2: Oh, is that what it was? <laughs> Uh, either way yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's like that whole they married each other and just like the way they said it just there we go yeah like
0: i really hope that i don't sound like whatever the anti-semitic version of mormonism is but this is all of this like even the even even the story that she tells So there's something called, I think it's like the great prosperity or something like that Mm
1: -hmm. in
0: Mormon religion where it's essentially the concept of an idea of like money and wealth being rained down upon you. Yeah. Remember the story that she told about her mother being the um, caterer? Yep. She was a caterer. She came home with $2,000 and she stood at the top of stairs and she threw money down at us and it rained down upon us. And it was reinforcing this same idea that was used within um, the religion of itself.
2: Yeah.
0: And she has either, it was either an experience she had or it wasn't an experience she had. But the story that she created and the story that she is consistently telling us is um, so reminiscent of that, that it continues to ingrain in the minds of the fellow Mormons and the shit that this is what we're supposed to be doing. This is what we're supposed to be doing and God is bestowing this upon us. You know.
2: Yeah, it's that whole the the richer you are, the closer you are to the Lord's favor.
0: Yeah, but t- using specifically that imagery.
2: But it, yeah, use it's like whereas in some Western religions is reinforced by just the verbalization of it. That one is very much like here's an image to go along with this.
0: Right. And that and I got that from the um what got left out subtract. Um I want to make sure I give credit where credit is due and I want to make sure I, I put the blame where blame lies because I'm just reiter- reiterating things by, from people who told me that they are former Mormons. I've never met any of these ladies a day in my goddamn life. Yeah. I don't know that. I wouldn't know that lady if she walked past and punched me in the throat. do She says she's an ex-Mormon. We're going to ride with that. Do you know who, um, who was the biggest hero for me in all of this? You already know who the biggest hero for me I don't. It. Go
2: ahead and tell me. Did you know? I think I might, but I don't know. Tell me. Lachey! Yes, that's who I thought, but I had to be sure.
0: You thought it was Daryl?
2: I knew it was going to be one of them, too. Because when he first introduced himself and he made that face, I said, oh, he came here to snitch.
0: He was. He so, sat down like...
2: He came to give y'all the bitch. He's ready.
0: It's like, oh. What do you want to know? But there are some things I can't tell.
2: Right, he he was talking like there was a
0: hit on his life. Like
2: I know the secrets, girl. Like his.
0: Um. So Lachey was talking about, and this is why I say the um the documentary is so extremely narrow. It's so mm-hmm. extremely narrow. So she touches a little bit on why she didn't go on the cruise. She's like, yeah, I'm, there's only a few of us and for, you know, for mm-hmm. us.
2: Like, I don't want to be on a boat with all the white people. That shit's no. like mad whack. Like, She's it's-
0: like, no, 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 I'll see y'all when I get back. <laughs> but in a, so she did a podcast with Roberta Blevins who's also in this documentary as well as the Vice documentary. is mm-hmm. also in the Vice documentary, but all you see is her nails. Like, yeah. literally all you see is her nails. <laughs> um, She was talking... She actually mentioned quite a few things. So she was mentioning about how, like, yeah, a majority of the company was Mormon and how she would be invited to people's weddings. And she's like, I don't know why you're inviting me to these weddings. You know I'm not in your church.
2: Right. So just
0: invite me to the reception and let's just be done with it. You know, she also was mentioning that Lachey, unlike many of the other people that we see, she was contracted through a company to work for LuLaRoe. So she had an individual contract.
2: Yeah, she wasn't was like, was directly.
0: Separate. She
2: was a third party hire.
0: She was a third party hire.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: where she was saying that where other people that um, in the company that start to speak up or getting threats and all these things, she never got any. But then she also goes, but they knew what the fuck the time was. And I bet you I I said that shit <laughs> on a podcast with this white lady one, the white lady, Roberta, died laughing. And then I cackled, too. <laughs> yeah. Roberta was kind of, it was this feeling of Roberta being like, you know what? I'm experiencing authentic Blackness, and this is a treat. <laughs> you know? <laughs> anyway. Me? Yeah. She was also talking about how, um, so they talk about, oh, people selling breast milk, right? You see Daryl mention it. Yeah. Um she mentions it and when they say people they they actually really mean multiple people because all of these no, people have the same experience
2: no one of the people i know who got caught up in this definitely sold her breast milk to um get the money to get her starter kit
1: are you fucking kidding
2: me? no i definitely know somebody who did that she was one of the because some people are like heavy producers
0: what in the what nurse
2: she was one of those people who she produced a lot of milk and the thing about it is this is completely legit like this there are services in which if you because some people produce like so much milk their baby will never drink it so you know we're like freezers full of breast milk right yeah then there's other people who like barely produce but they still want their kids to be breastfed so a lot of these heavy producers will sell this milk on these different like through these different services right yeah, and depending on how much you sell it, you can make a good amount of money. I know she made about eight thousand dollars.
0: That is insane. Yeah. How much is she pumping out? Because I did look up what the quote she unquote was those, rate was.
2: She was one of those heavy producers because she had twins.
0: Oh, okay. And so both titties she was one of those was just constantly yeah.
2: producers, where it's like she would like each, each tit was like two eight ounce bags, you know
0: she needed a Mario brother. She needed Luigi and Mario to come and just, you know, tighten that shit up.
2: Yeah, like, she was a very heavy producer. Like, she's getting 16 ounces out of each pump. Like, gotta change bottles, you know?
0: Oh, my god! Damn.
2: It, I mean, with Sahara, I was like that. I would do an 8-ounce bottle on each side.
0: Oh, my God. That is so much.
2: Sahara ate a lot. Whereas Whereas Brooklyn didn't feed as much, so I didn't produce nearly as much What
0: Bitch, you pumping a pint of milk a day.
2: Essentially, I breastfed Sahara until she was like one though.
0: Okay. That's not too long though.
2: Mm, well, I was going to keep going, but she started biting me and I was like, all right, we got to
0: <laughs> You know what? She would... That little girl ain't never going to give you peace. Never. <laughs> you will never know peace.
2: Literally Never. never. <laughs> Oh. I swear she don't know why I act like the way I do to her.
0: <laughs> this is your retribution. She just you. Mm-hmm. Just cantankerous. Very much so. Well, I didn't realize. So I was. I looked at the going rate of what Um. so I knew what. Well, hold on. Let me start here. I knew you can donate, but I thought that was the only thing you could do was mm-hmm. like donate. Right. And yes, you see a small contribution for it.
2: Their services to sell it. Their services where like if you like work, and you're on a business trip, you can pump it. And their services to like overnight it to your house and that it.
0: Stuff. That is crazy.
2: Hmm.
0: That's crazy. That's okay. Work.
2: It's, work. Yeah, you can pump it and
0: if you like, had money for that, work
2: and throw it in the freezer, and cause the service will come pick it up the next day and take it to your house. And but yeah. you
0: saw they show that that image of the freezer full of breast milk. Mm -hmm. which initially I thought was like, why
2: is this freezer
0: full of pizza, though? And I was like, nigga, you are high. That is titty. (laughs) It's like, bitch, who making all this pizza? (laughs) It's like, are they, is this what they're selling? It's like, yeah, I'm so broke uh, from LuLaRoe, I had to hand make all of this to to survive. (laughs) (laughs) All I eat is pizzas, flatbreads, and calzones. I don't know what to do.
2: Shut up.
0: Um. So, uh, but what Lachey was also saying was so she and I know she told I know for a fact I know for a fact just how she was in not only in the Vice interview but in this podcast and you only see blips of it in the documentary I know for a fact she told these people exactly what she told um, on this podcast
1: mm-hmm. she said
0: she after receiving these calls about the breast smoking shit she started recording and compiling things on a fucking USB drive. Right. And they found out that she had the USB drive and get this, right? They needed a black and she was going to be their black because she was a hardworking black, right? (laughs) She was in that company. She was the dream black. So she started off in home office and customer service and then she moved to onboarding. So she's the one ushering people in and she started onboarding so many people. Girl said she hit 100 people in a day at $10,000 a fucking head. Yeah. She not only is she the Black, but she's the good Black.
2: Oh, yes. The very, very good, very profitable Black.
0: Bitch, when I tell you, she quit, yes, but they didn't fire her. You know what they did? They're like, look, just give us the thumb drive and we'll give you... uh, One of the brothers was like, you know, I want to step down. I want to go and spend time with my family, blah, 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 blah. We'll give you his position at $35 an hour plus you'll still be able to resell mean, you'll still be able to sell on the side
1: mm-hmm. and remember
0: when I said Brittany Hunter the first one
1: mm-hmm.
0: Brittany Hunter was um, Lachey's upline yeah they purposely placed Lachey with Brittany Hunter who then paid for Lachey's first package so Sis was just making like she this yeah. bitch was making bank.
2: She was so profitable that it's just like she they're like whatever it takes to get you here.
0: She was the black, and they said we need at least one, and we got a good one that works. And now she wants to sell to Everybody, put her with Brittany.
1: Mm-hmm. Everybody,
0: please buy from Lachey. Yep. So the, and I think that is also too why Lachey speaks in. A less traumatized way versus everybody else.
2: Yeah, because she very much was in control of the situation from the beginning, whereas everybody else the stuff was just happening to them.
0: Yes. Even... Oh, my God. So... The book. The hmm. Secrets of Femininity. Yeah. The Secret Power of Femininity. Something like that. So... Um, the documentary talks about how um, what is this woman? I keep wanting to call her Diane because I've been finding out her sister's name was Diane. It just registers now.
1: Yeah.
0: Diane. Um, finding out about Diane's mom writing a book about good old-fashioned femininity uh, with passages like, stand before, stand before a mirror in the privacy of your room and say it to yourself. I am a helpless woman at the mercy of you big, strong men. so it's pretty much a how to lady book how to lady and how to be a wife book or use your feminine wiles to manipulate what it is that you want to get Mm -hmm. one of the things the documentary did not mention so her husband i'm sorry her mother and her father wrote Mm -hmm. this book and also started teaching classes on it.
2: of course they did because
0: 300 bucks a pop yep so that's what i mean by like they had a very like Digestible, easy, clear story because there's no reason why that should not have been mentioned because it it helps to create this pattern of pathologies and lineage because Mark was even talking about how his parents worked for Amway.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: She said I, I worked at Amway. I
1: worked,
2: yeah,
0: like, I don't. I, once the again, just about, small things.
2: The thing about the story that this is trying to tell is like. Yeah, you could talk about all that like fringent stuff, you know what I'm saying? All that like kind of stuff kind of around this. But if you tell too much of that, then it gives away the ending, which is what they were trying to preserve.
0: Well, you know? there, I mean, there was like <clears throat> they had to pay four million. Like the ending wasn't very much. It wasn't like a crescendo. It was more no, like it a wasn't,
2: okay. it wasn't, but it's also like you spend too much time on and not even spend too much time but like once you start adding in all those other details because it paints such a clear picture before we even get to the point of LuLaRoe that it does kind of lose the luster you know what I'm saying
0: well that's the thing though it's like it's it's not about like it's not about losing or retaining luster it's about It's about creating and pointing and showing a very clear and concise story. But also, you have to give, like, real backstory, you know? And having a mother who essentially did the exact same thing. Like, this woman opened up a fucking charity called the American Family Femininity Institute, which was nothing more than... (coughs) Uh, Like... Weird finishing school. It was a weird finishing school, steeped in the same ideas as Lularoe. It's the same way that Deanne like no, retained the level of control.
2: I completely agree with you. With, like with they me. didn't
0: do enough, like but, I don't want to say character development, but real development.
2: Yeah, because they did this in four episodes. You know, yeah. I mean? Once a-
0: again, like if it was on HBO,
2: had they taken the time to make this six or eight? you could have really saw how they weaponized mom guilt and motherhood and femininity to essentially guilt these people in being into being a part of this. Yeah. This is why this took over the suburbs. This is why it hit single moms so hard because the first thing they did was hit you in your mom guilt.
0: Yeah, and, and concocted the idea that you owned a business.
2: Well, there's that, but really the selling point really was, is like, and this is something that is very unique with mothers. It's like, if you have children and you're not there with them every second of the day. Oh, you're a bad mom. You're a bad mom. But also if you're not contributing to your household in a financial way, you're a bad person. You know what I'm saying?
0: You also get no say.
2: Yeah, no. But it's this is just what it is. You're like, you're always kind of behind the eight ball, right?
1: Mm-hmm. No matter whereas, what.
2: Like, yeah. Whereas, like, a dad can... Do whatever well, the fuck he wants. Financially, he's off the hook when it comes to the kid shit.
0: The kid then, shit, the relationship.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. But it's like, the way this was presented, the way this was presented to people, like, LuLaRoe was the answer where it's like, you can be the pinterest mom and still the financial contributor you know what i'm saying
1: Mm -hmm.
0: but that it wants you to be okay because that's it wants you to be the stay-at-home mom and wants you to be the boss mom the boss babe it wants you to Create and have this business in this level of quote unquote women empowerment, which still I every time I hear that term, I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? What are we empowering women to do?
1: because
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah. that's just like women empowerment, but what what are we empowering what them to the, multiple what, things oh, that we can okay. empower them and to the, do?
2: Like what's the bullet points? What are we doing? Yeah.
0: Um, and that's usually just called, I don't know, abortion rights or yeah. right to health care, whatever there may be. Uh nonetheless. So it teaches and instills this level of um, uh, uh, feminine and f- feminine empowerment in you. But mm-hmm. it also, at the same time, creates this level of he is still the man of the house and he still runs this house. And the goal is to retire him so he doesn't have to work anymore.
2: It's subservience disguised as empowerment.
0: And not only that, but also a luring tool into the company. Yep.
2: Cause it's like if you retire your husband, you're what a good. What the fuck wife. else is he gonna do? It's because it's like they 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 they, they do this whole thing like the best type of wife retires her husband, but in reality, it's to create a captive consumer audience, right? Because if yeah. you, if you get it so your only income is Lularo, you have no choice but to continue to buy that bullshit, right? Or you're a captive consumer.
0: So. And it, it also, um, the thing of, like, retiring the husband and bringing him in. Mm-hmm. Um, LuLaRoe, at some point, was selling, it was called, like, Dot Dot Smile. It was, like, the children's version of LuLaRoe. Yeah. Which was also owned by another family member. Mm-hmm. Then, again, bringing the kids back in. So now you've got mom selling. You've got dad helping mom. And now you have the kids wrapped up in everything. It was this thing of, like, really breeding that LuLaRoe lifestyle into you. Like, really ingraining that kind of thing. If LuLaRoe would have came out with housewares, if they come out with housewares, these women are fucked.
1: <laughs>
0: no, I'm not even kidding you. Like, the clothing was bad enough. Yeah. No. If they start selling, like, home goods, like, it's a wrap on the girl.
2: Nah, we don't need nothing else from these people No, nah, well we
0: didn't need the leggings We damn sure did not need some ugly ass maxi skirts I don't care how bad they are The
2: leggings, like in the very very beginning Those black ones were super comfortable Oh yeah But they just got Wild company grew Like it's just
0: uh-uh. so When she kept saying Maxi skirt In my head, I was like Oh, yeah, like basketball wives, like a maxi dress. So long. Yeah, ago. like
2: it was very okay, much they're cute. basketball wives era.
0: No, but, bitch, it wasn't, it <laughs> was the damn <laughs> like skirts with that skirt. big ass waistband. Yeah,
2: with the big waistband that folds down like a maternity skirt. It's
1: like, I had like four and
2: one joints that were popular at the time.
1: So, like, yeah,
0: I had them things had y'all looking like a sausage that's like bursting at the ends. Like, this does not look cute.
2: I mean, you know, them four-on-one dresses and skirts was all the move, so Mm-hmm. that's why them big ass waistbands was popular.
0: Oh my god. Special.
2: Like my skirt can turn into a tube dress and a, and it's like, girl, nobody want that. Like <laughs> what, are you doing?
0: what is this terry cloth dish rag you're calling a skirt, ma'am?
2: Oh, oh, and everything was terry Claw at that time.
0: It was. It was. It was fucking terry cloth. It's mm-hmm. goddamn fucking disgusting. And I'm surprised Lularoe hasn't brought that shit back yet.
2: That's because people still like because this Lularoe bullshit is still so fresh. People still salty about it, so they're not moving. Like, I mean, there's some like Lularoe is. I mean, has all the essences of a cult. So there's something that's forever going to be on their side. But yeah, when, oh yeah, like,
1: oh yeah.
0: There was that one woman. Mm-hmm. I can't think of her name, but yeah, she's like, I bought a... I was living in an 859-square-foot house with four people and a dog.
1: Mm-hmm. Now I got
0: a 21-square-foot house with an in-grown, in-ground pool. It's like, okay, bitch. Get it how you live, girl. Right. The whole... And that made me question her, too. Because I'm wondering... Well, she says that she she's earned all of her trips. So she's selling... $12,000 worth of inventory monthly.
2: Right.
0: Um, so it is likely that she is one of the very rare people who really is making money, like truly making money off of the sales. Also, in, in, well, definitely not in combination with um, um, recruitments anymore because that changed. Getting that too. Yeah. Um, well, that's actually where I was going. She was one of the only people that it seemed like was truly making money off, strictly off of sales versus um, Courtney. I think her name was Curtin Hart, Hartwood, the woman with the wider eyes, like wider brown eyes and the dark hair. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Um, Roberta, Roberta was a big recruiter. Ashley was a big recruiter. Ashley was the number three person to join the company.
2: Mm hmm. I mean, um, honestly, all the, the girls that was really making any coins for the most part were here.
0: Were recruiters. Yeah. Even there was a married couple, Paul and Tiffany, talking about retiring your husband. They, they made it. They were, they were, were big, big, big recruiters. They, a, they said that their first bonus track. So the way that you receive bonus tracks was not based on a number of sales done by your team. It was based on the number of orders done and made by your team, i.e. all of the purchases that your team members yeah. made. Yeah, which is even more fucked up.
1: It's Especially very,
0: considering so this is not like a real.
2: They didn't really give a fuck about the no, the people that work there about the product, about the customer because the customer ain't who they even care about. They, they make their money on people buying more and more for these fuck ass kids.
0: There it is, there it is, with this idea of, well, I own a business. I own a clothing business. Yeah. I am a. I am an independent retailer. It's like you're not an independent retailer.
2: It's like, right? No. Is that what this is?
0: Like, LuLaRoe is not going to allow you to style LuLaRoe pieces with Alibaba shit that you buy for your little boutique, little cute right. bags and none of that shit. They don't want that shit. LuLaRoe mm-hmm. wants LuLaRoe stacked and stacked on top of each other
1: mm-hmm. with a
0: fancy ass real bag.
2: Yep. That, you it don't own a boutique. Give it- they were given this very, very white image of a mother. It's like, you know, she's tastefully appointed. She has expensive bags, but she's in athleisure, running around the suburbs with her children as she, you know, is in drop-off or this or that. And it's like, look at her.
0: Oh, no, I meant that. I mean, that too, but what I was referring to was the capability to buy other pieces from other companies that's what i'm your boutique
2: no i know i know i know like you don't own a boutique no i know that but i was just saying because the reason they don't want you to do that is because they're selling this image of like the lularoe woman you know what i'm saying well yeah that too but also you because they're trying yeah it's it's that's what i'm saying like
0: you don't own a boutique
2: not at all, but they, that's the dream they were selling people.
0: Right, like you're, you're a salesperson, you're, you're yeah. a sales representative. Like there's a big difference. And these people have this idea that, well, I own a clothing store.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like, no, you're a sales representative. Yeah. Because you you can't buy a bunch of other shit and put it in with your LuLaRoe. But
1: that
2: also speaks to the desperation of wanting to be everything, right? you're a financially contributing member of your household yet still a stay-at-home mother and it's like because Americans are so obsessed with titles it sounds better to say I own a clothing store than to say I'm a sales rep for Lululemon.
0: Well no they that's the thing though is that they were they believe that they legitimately owned right. businesses. So
2: that's what I, that, that's, I was saying that to speak to the pathology of the owners of LuLaRoe, right? Because it's like you sell this as if they're owning this business, not as if they're working for you.
0: Yeah, and they, and that's exactly, and every almost every person in this said, well, all the men said, oh, um, I want to work for myself. Like when Mark was talking about his father, Mark even re- reiterated it um in context of himself. um uh Tim said it, Tim, Paul, I'm sorry, Paul said it, I want to work for myself, but you're not you're working not for yourself, like you're, you're making bang. well Mark is working for himself,
2: <laughs> but it's like Lula LuLaRoe Lularo isn't like my boss, it's just my supplier, right?
0: But that's, that's really, yes.
2: You sell? That's your boss, my nigga. Like,
0: that's it. Like, they fired y'all. You realize, right. like, they fired y'all, right? Right. Like, you didn't own a business. You were, you were an employee. You were definitely, an, a, a, I'm sorry, you were an independent contractor.
2: Whatever it was, you didn't work for your damn self.
0: No, sir. You might have started your hours, but you still reported in. Yep. Um, so, you remember Ileana the artist,
2: yeah, that girl that killed
1: it, yeah.
0: So she reminded me of. There's a couple of bartenders in the city that she reminded me of, mm-hmm. and then and for a second I had to do a double check. I was like, bitch, what? Because there is a bartender that looks vaguely like her, um, who I think is also maybe not a graphic artist, but she's some kind of artist. Mm-hmm. So seeing that was a slight cackle, but a hundred prints a day was the real gag.
2: That's oof. Again, shows you don't give a fuck about the consumer, about the product, about nothing. All you care about is the bottom line. Cause, cause if you're if you got your team producing a hundred prints a day, no one's checking this.
0: Nobody's no checking it.
2: Quality control. No one, no one's doing anything. This is very much just like fuck it, we don't care which is how you got them leggings that it looks like it's you're growing a penis and it looks like your vagina's a hamburger, you know, because nobody's checking.
0: That, you know what, too? Not only is that an issue, and I was wondering, because they talk about my dyer, but w- so what happened from, like, how do we get from buttery soft leggings that everybody loves to so leggings being with holes? Like because
2: as they got bigger and bigger like the thing because the thing about mlms is that you have a very finite window of growth right because if you think about it like take one take take any one person you know right and this person gets into an mlm uh if this person knows 50 people only maybe five are going to ever sign up for this, right? So it's like, as you, they grew so fast that one, they knew they had a small window before the shit came coming down. Because once you get to a certain number of reps, you can't grow anymore. Yeah. So now it's just about pushing out the most product possible to create an ecosystem of consistent demand but with that with trying to push out all that product that quickly you start to buy cheaper fabrics because you're making so much you don't want to spend more and increase your overhead so now the fabrics get cheaper you know maybe well, it's, who it's, was a uh, company that did them though that's the company that made the leggings is beside the point because it's what's Ro buying, right? Because they still have to buy their fabrics. They still have to pick and choose. So now you switch from 100% cotton to a cotton blend, which then turned to a poly blend, which then turned into an essentially a spandex blend, right? And by the time you get to that point, that's when you start getting leggings with holes. And that's when you start getting leggings that are super thin. You can see your underwear through and that kind of stuff. Because it goes down to, and this happens a lot if once, if companies grow very, very fast, because you got to produce to keep up with the real and or artificial demand, but to produce it faster without increasing, because you're already going to spend more money on the actual production because you're telling them to do it faster. So whereas they normally would have took a month, now you're telling them to do it in two weeks. So you got to pay more for that, right? Because now your job is priority, so you're paying more. But to not increase that part of your overhead too much, whereas you're paying more for production, you're paying less for fabrication. But then your quality is going down, but you got to care to, you know.
0: I I only ask that question because they specifically bring up Lululemon's relationship with my Dyer and their lawsuit.
1: Mm hmm. So that's Louis why I'm like,
0: well, who did they go to after to start producing? Like who was this person? Like I don't
1: I don't
2: think they said it. But no, they
0: didn't. They didn't. They didn't even really wrap that My Dyer thing up.
2: They didn't. Which they, I
0: think it's actually still probably in litigation.
2: I, that's what I'm saying. I think that's still happening because remember that point in time with Lulu lemon leggings now I'm I'm yes I'm talking about Lululemon like the the store that high end athleisure store remember, yeah the one they... where the
0: black girl in Canada killed two people
2: yes listen to crime and wine if you want to hear that story but um...
0: shout out to her for bucking against the system
2: <laughs> remember that point where everybody's Lululemon leggings were see through and all the, you just start seeing like all this like white lady ass everywhere you went.
0: You know what? That wasn't just Lululemon. That was just people not wearing the right size leggings.
2: No, 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 no. I'm, I'm <clears> talking about <throat> Lululemon specifically because what they did, because Lululemon blew up very quickly. So what they started, they did because they
0: came out of nowhere.
2: They did, and they started buying thinner fabric, and they weren't, and you know, just they kind of started skimping on the production process to get the shit out faster. Yeah. Which is why you will see an ass everywhere. That's the exactly. same thing Lularoe did.
0: Oh no, they definitely did. They definitely but then did.
2: Then they also, but then it, there's also the other side of how were they storing this, right? Because yeah,
0: I was just about to say that too. That's
2: the sunlight breaks down fabric
0: and water.
2: Water breaks down. Sitting in water will break down the fabric. Um, when you. And also
0: it, insects, just in general.
2: I must say there's the bugs. They're sitting in shipping containers because the wood will break down the fabric eventually. Like
0: and rats all, who will eat the fabric up to build the nest.
2: Yeah. There's all these different factors in addition to the cheaper the cheaper fabric, then it's like these terrible conditions to store this in, which all led to people getting holy leggings, leggings that stank, like you know, sun dyed leggings and shirts and shit like
0: that that yeah the sell the sun just sell it as a nice shirt Marketers as half off a
2: nice shirt for half price which very much was like i don't care you take the hit for it we don't really give a fuck like no they
0: didn't they did their part they said we gave you the product
2: they got their coin they gave you a product nobody can say that they didn't do what they said they were gonna do
0: that yeah but to receive did you okay so in the vice documentary you see um you actually see courtney harwood from this one you see her in the process of selling her home
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um so you see like this feels the vice documentary feels more immediate yeah Uh, because i think she left in like what 2017 2018 and this came out and that came out in 2019 so, she, you actually see her enduring in, in the repercussions and shit. But there was another woman who actually opened, like, kind of opened up a thrift story boutique <laughs> of Lulu, uh, not Lulu, Lularo. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about how she sold a pair of leggings to this one woman so she can go to Disney World. And the leggings ripped in both the ass streaks while she was there. i would be incensed (laughs) i would would sue (laughs) i'm coming after every ounce of emotional compensation that i can
2: i mean in reality so many of these people need to sue them for so many things well
0: they have at least like 50 what that woman with the swoop hair and the glasses
2: yeah i just read lularoe lawsuits for fun it's
0: like you caring ass bitch <laughs> i kind of felt <laughs> mad. i felt bad
2: her. for lularoe i hate her like you just <laughs> it's like bitch mind your business you don't even work for them ain't nobody that big of a hater that you just didn't read their court documents like you know what <laughs> right i was like
0: why are they talking to her what does she have to do with this? They could have talked to me. I've been reading this shit for a while too. Yeah, I would. Yeah, same.
2: Like, get the fuck out of here. I was I com- just do it just for fun. Like, you didn't work here. You didn't sell it. Oh, no. You just be reading this shit on the internet, just like the rest of us. Like, is what?
0: I'm sitting here getting emotionally conflicted because I'm like, am I defending Lularo? <laughs> It's
2: part your business. The thing about it is while most MLMs are a scam and they target a sector of the population that is vulnerable in a different way, an MLM like an Avon, I don't mind as much as something like a LuLaRoe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because Avon, although it is an MLM, it's like catalog sales.
0: It's catalog sales and actual products that people use.
2: Right, like that's why I don't mind a pure romance either for the same reason. Like
0: pure romance is kind of fucked up too because they uh, uh, allegedly they would have um, their what are they called sexologists, whatever the fuck they call their people, um, selling like expired lube.
2: Well, I'm gonna say this. I know the lady who owns Pure Romance. Her mm-hmm. and her son. Like I know them. I've been in personal contact. I've spent time with both of them. I've spent quite a bit of time inside of Pure Romance headquarters. I have never seen that. Now,
0: what this I is just would... an interview from a former MLM person. Now,
2: What I will say is, I do know that you have people who will buy those kits for parties, not book any parties for a while. And then when they decide they wanna pick it back up, they won't replace the stuff in their kit. I do know that. That's not to say that it was or was not expired. I can't speak to that. I've never sold this stuff. But based on the information that I have, I've never seen anything expired in their corporate headquarters. I can't speak for the warehouse and I've been there. And I know personally of people who have let their kids sit for a year or so and then pick it back up and sell that same stuff.
0: This is an interview from a girl on. And if you want to uh, hold someone accountable, her YouTube page, is not the good girl. She used to be in three different MLMs and she does interviews with people who have left.
2: Yeah, no, I mean-
0: (laughs) Oh no, that's legal. That's not for you, that's for the legal.
2: That's for legal, yeah. No, but far be it for me to tell anybody what their experience with any type of anything is, because I don't know. I can only speak from the experience that I've had and the information that I have. That's not to say that what she's saying is true, or not true, or whatever else, I don't care. It's not my business. I don't...
0: My issue, even with Avon, because Avon has had um, a couple of lawsuits in China for the overseas versus... More overseas versus here for the way that it operates, Mm -hmm. um, which is even more concerning. Yeah. But um, my issue with this is the entire structure of the MLMs, Um, themselves, and not just the structure of the MLMs themselves, but also the deeper rooted cultures and issues associated with it. Right. Like, this is going to sound real awful. So Utah is the state in the country that has the most MLMs, Mm -hmm. like most corporate headquarters. They're they're pretty much all registered there. Um, The business laws in Utah lean more towards allowing that kind of a structure to take place. Mm-hmm. Also, and this is once again, words from an ex-Mormon who is also an ex-MLM person. You can read it yeah. by Anne Hel- Helen Peterson. Um, she was talking about Mary Conley. M- Mary something. She was talking about how um, the state of Utah has, it's roughly about one-third Mormon. Mm -hmm. allowing these kind of business laws to take place thus allowing these kind of businesses to take place because once again it represents a structure that is very familiar to them especially considering that um i think it was 2019 the uh lds church was being investigated by the irs yeah for holding i think it was either 100 million it might have been i think it was 100 million i want to i'm going to err on the conservative side because I don't want to say hundred bill $1 trillion. Like, I don't want to go that far. That There's a substantial saying. amount of money that they've been holding in um, these accounts, multiple accounts for charities, um, that hasn't been disseminated yet, i.e., the money has flown up to the top and it just stays there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But that's all an MLM is, though. It's like- the
0: exact same structure, at least from my layman's eyes, from the outside looking in. I mean,
2: that's labs, right. there's only about 10 people maybe 20 make any real money in an mlm everybody else like you'll get a, a good a couple hundred maybe a couple thousand depending on how big you are to make enough to get by when that's it any real money it's only at max 50 people
0: so the um so the breakdown of the structure for LuLaRoe was kind of a gag. Uh-huh. So when you first join, you're just a retailer. And then the minute somebody, one person joins underneath you, you're a sponsor. Uh-huh. Um, but then you receive a 5% bonus for all the items that are um, bought versus being sold. Yeah. And then next here is trainer. And that's when you have 10 different people and you're still getting your 5% from everybody, right? hmm After trainer, you have um, coach, where you have to have three trainers underneath you. So that means you have... Each trainer has 10 people. So what's that, 30 people? 33 people total?
2: Yeah, something like
0: that. For... Uh, mentor, you have to have three coaches, three trainers. So mm-hmm. three trainers is already...
1: Um, Hold up. Oh my God, man. This is so hard. <laughs> and it's such a
0: simple math problem. You got a shit ton of people. You've got a, a good sizable chunk of people, at least oh, you've got over 50 people. I know that. I can do math that far.
2: But the way that really are <laughs> people, because I mean, if you just talk about the. I was like
1: cause 99,
2: cause 100. Not, yes, math really, if you just talk about the trainers. And then the people that are under them, because yeah, you know, have three trainers. The trainer, already each trainer got to have however many people. That right there is already 96 people plus the ones you already had.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's where the real money was to be made.
2: But that's what that's it's designed really to keep bringing in people to buy this product, not to help you get any money because if you think it's this honestly is just the real life version of that Facebook circle game.
0: What Facebook circle game?
2: Where it's like you you everybody like you put in ten dollars or whatever it was to get in the circle and then as you bring people in you move to a different point in the circle. Oh the susu whatever they call it whatever year.
0: Yeah the board. You get
2: in the center you get all the money.
0: Yeah you get the power
2: I- really all LuLaRoe is
0: yeah and the thing too is especially with those and LuLaRoe if you get in early sometimes those could be a good payout
2: yeah no you gotta be one of the first like four people to get in to get any real money because outside of that you're not gonna get enough people to do it
0: no and not, not consistently right I mean looking at the price of the packages like so the pack, the price of the packages changed throughout it's the years. The cheapest one is
2: five thousand dollars.
0: Um, they so they changed. Get this, right? So when everybody left, they changed the shit. Ah!
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> they changed it in a way though that it would still at least like from looking at it, um, it would still be about four dollars to five mm-hmm. thousand dollars. The way that they broke it down makes it look as if it's way cheaper.
2: But it's like that already, I mean, because it's like if you sell two of those kits, that's $10,000 for essentially $200 worth of product, right? Mm-hmm. So you've already established that, but also the price creates this barrier to entry for people who don't who you don't think represent the row lifestyle.
0: Yep. And meanwhile, the ones that you think do, you're telling them to sell titty milk and shit to make it happen. Yep. So they they broke the price, the onboarding packages down now by um, their best selling product. So you'll get a Julia, and you'll get five pieces in various sizes for five hundred and forty bucks instead of getting. Where is it? Instead of the. Four and five thousand dollar package, you'd get Casey, her friend Irma, Julia, Lindsey, Davidge, Carly, a little bit of Randy, and Monroe mm-hmm. for the same price. They just took the names, they took the individual products, and separated them into off like, into yeah. like other little categories. So you get stuck with like, oh, I have T-shirts, but then I can pay another five hundred dollars for an add-on of, of like five pairs
2: of leggings. And then so they, it
0: really works okay. out to be the same thing.
2: And they also did this, created a situation where you're consistently buying by not letting you pick your prints, right? Not
0: letting you pick your prints or, no, you can pick your, you can pick a shirt. You say, you can, oh, I want shirts, pants, can, leggings.
2: You can pick and say, I want three leggings and two shirts and two skirts in the shipment. But yeah. that's all you can pick. You don't know what print you're going to get, what colors, whatever. And we all know that certain prints work better in certain areas. Certain colors work better in certain areas. You can't, because you can't buy for your audience, you're always buying.
0: And that was the, I mean, I knew LuLaRoe did not care, but in that moment, that's when I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I know y'all don't care because this isn't about selling a product.
2: Because y'all definitely created a situation where your your reps are con- are always purchasing.
0: Your reps are always purchasing and with no chance of like, not no chance, but the possibility of like,
2: I mean, because really
0: trying like- to sell product is
2: a no-go. But it, it's like, think about it like this. If you live in an area that's, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to give you know, something I know. If you live in an area that's like on the East Coast and predominantly Muslim, you're not going to sell a bunch of cow print leggings, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not going to happen. Where if you go to an area that's in the South and, I don't know, very white, I doubt you're going to really sell a bunch of, like, adorned elephant leggings. Like, but because you can't pick for your audience, you on the East Coast end up with these cow prints and you down South end up with these adorned elephants. And now y'all got to... Spend more money, hoping to get the or buy the buy it from another seller, mm-hmm. hoping to get something you can actually sell, so you don't end up with a garage full of boxes of shit you're never gonna move.
0: That you're never going to move. One woman, not one, just one woman, but multiple of these women ends up with like tens of thousands, thousands, of, thousands of dollars inventory. inventory.
2: inventory.
0: Yeah. And it just sits there. It really just it just sits there. Um, so when Lululemon started, it started once again with one consultant. At one peak, at the peak, it was eighty thousand consultants. Um, Lululemon decided to institute a because of because of the. Um, damaged goods is the best way to put it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they decided to institute a quote unquote buyback policy, which they legally had to do mm-hmm. uh, from the get go.
2: But then they uh, said if you're at a certain level, we won't buy you back and if you want this, if you are do I think this. it was
0: like if you were a coach and above, they weren't going to buy it back.
2: If you were a coach and above, and there's a, some other weird caveat to it that they won't buy you back.
1: hmm. But it's, so, it
2: created all these loopholes where it's still thousands of people stuck with $15,000, $20,000 worth of inventory they could literally never sell.
0: Yeah. And one thing they didn't talk about, um, so they instituted the buyback policy at a full 100%. But very early on, they switched that shit. and was like, okay, let's drop this 10%. Mm-hmm. Like very early on. Which they knew, like, and that would have been, like, even more of an indicator for me. It was like, oh, y'all did this shit quick. It's like, okay, we're not doing 100. We're going to do 90. And then it was, we're going to do 90, but if you're a coach and a mentor, you can't buy back. And right. then it was, okay, you know what? We're, we're just done. Like, you girls don't play fair. <laughs> like, literally, it felt like you all just don't play fair. You just don't want to, you, you're just lazy. So we're going to make you work for your money. Get the fuck out of here! Yeah. Um. So, I feel like there's the the trainer, the third trainer, Ashley. I'm sorry, not third trainer. The third, um, consultant to mm-hmm. join, Ashley something. I feel like she knows. She speaks very vaguely throughout the entire documentary. I feel like she knows more than she's. Saying she, I feel like it's a big obvious too, because there's a couple of questions she goes, well, I'm not going to talk about that. Yeah. It's like two, two times she says it, and I, it was like, oh, okay, which was interesting to me, considering that Courtney, who, a court, who, you know, apparently of the weeks when she doesn't get her kids is sitting there eating crackers and cheese, just trying to save money to pay off credit mm-hmm. card debt. It's interesting seeing Courtney who was a mentor and very high up and had all this power and this acclaim
2: and they're broke she's uh, broke. and
0: she's broke but you she's aren't
2: to present the Lululemon image
0: yeah but Ashley Ashley doesn't talk about she's about her currently financially struggling actually but- Ashley doesn't really talk much about her finances other than yeah, I was making um, six figures a, a year when I left, and that was pretty much it.
2: Ashley was also really, really, really close to Deanna. There it Closer is. than really any of the other ones were. But I also think Ashley got some other stuff going on that we don't know about yet.
0: There was just something there that I was like, I don't know. Something I don't see right about
2: it. With that one. I just did a quick Google search, and I just saw an article that said, like, Based on the people that they talked to for that article, the average amount of like inventory in dollars that people are stuck with was like fifteen thousand.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's honestly that's spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, it the whole thing was designed to fail.
2: Yeah, it was... Like, it even was, the suggested
0: prices for this, it was... it was like,
2: $28 a pair.
0: It did make sense. And you can buy them to 40 Yeah. And you had to, I think you had to sell them at least for 55 or $60 to make any kind of profit.
2: Yep. Yep. Like, you literally couldn't... There was no way for the average person to genuinely, fr- like, succeed financially in this program.
0: Right, because it's in retail. How much is retail markup? Like 300%?
2: It depends on the item. Some things have high markups like that, like three to five. Some things only have like a 50% markup. It depends on the item. It depends on how much it costs to get the item made. It it's a lot of factors. Yeah,
0: you, cost of shipping, cost of production. It's a lot of
2: factors that go into...
0: Even cost of licensing sometimes. Because,
2: I mean, the you know, the markup is really just your margin. And it's like, like, if you're like an H&M, right? I mean, I think the average markup there, the average um, markup on the item there is like 42% or something
1: like
2: that. Mm -hmm. I don't 100% remember, but it's something like that. But if you think about like their average price point, right? The average price point in an H&M is like $29.99. So the markup can't be that high because you can't really go over. I like you can't, you got to stay around that mark because that's what your customers are used to. Whereas you look at something like a Fashion Nova where everything is made super cheap and they have like 400% markup, which is why they can afford to sell everything for 80% off all the time.
0: Plus Fashion Nova doesn't have very many, they only have what, two stores? They
2: Yeah, they have like two stores. There's like a total of what 50 employees in this company or something like that. Yeah,
0: their overhead costs is I mean low. Yeah, and if honestly, I'm I'm truly surprised that Fashion Nova has not turned into an MLM.
2: I kind of feel like it is in a different way, but
0: no, I boom. I mean, as far as the structure of like having like in home representatives, I know
2: what you mean. Yeah, but they don't have to. They have Instagram. They do right over that
0: to Instagram. As opposed to moms who are like, well, I want to see, Sh- I got to get on live and see Cheryl's show. She's going to show
2: me these Irma leggings. Right. And the thing about it is, the thing about Fashion over that sells the clothes is the, the
0: big booty models and the well, price tags,
2: The aspirational nature of those models, right?
0: Oh yeah. But, I want to look like her.
2: Because you want to look like her, so it's like at least if you have the outfit, that's the first step. It's and the same thing realize,
0: with the blue blue man.
2: Yeah, same with all of those. Yeah,
0: all those fast fashion brands. Yes. LuLaRoe, too, honestly.
2: really sell through Instagram. Like, Shit. Like, yeah, it's, yeah.
0: I mean, honestly, the only difference between LuLaRoe and these things is it's like plus-size, pasty face, Midwest moms seeing it. If I were you, I wanna be where Lula wrote. I wanna wear Lula I wanna Lula. wear Lula wrote.
2: You know that song is insufferable already. If you're I not
0: rarely know. ever heard it, so I like it when I hear it. Oh, it's no. Really I, really, really.
2: I, I used to hear it all the time. I can handle it now that I don't hear it nearly as much as I used to.
0: Yeah, you got little ears around you, though.
2: I mean, they'd be like, yeah. Right. Like, Don't pour it, it up. Let's get turned. It, it's hardcore pop music around here because that's what's in all their cartoons, right? Right. So they it's sitting there, one
0: bottle service of apple juice, listening to that shit.
2: Right. But it's like that song already is mildly insufferable. And then you make the Lulu Ro remix. I can't. Like, it's too much.
0: That shit was a
2: cackle. That, that shit was a
0: cackle. was a cackle.
2: But also, Like I have said on this podcast several times before, all roads in life lead back to NSYNC.
0: Oh, my God.
2: (laughs) When I saw that, I was like, oh,
0: my God. How did we get back
2: All roads in life lead back to NSYNC.
0: (laughs) That is, uh, that shit was.
2: It's like proving my point more and more.
0: Every if I was in sync, I would I would like demand, "Who does the licensing for this?" <laughs> I'd be like, well, "No, don't use thing. us. Use the Backstreet Boys." So,
2: so this is the thing. So, fun sidebar. So, there's a reason why whenever people talk about In Sync, they only use songs from the first album because that's the one In Sync doesn't own.
0: Oh, so they don't have any licensing over it.
2: Yeah, they don't. Yeah, that's the one they don't own. Because you, it's always I want you back. Or tearing up my heart.
0: Okay.
2: Because they don't own that one. So they can't, they don't really control who is licensed to.
0: Like, let's just just have some respect for the group and not like slap their shit in anything. Because like I said, I wouldn't want to be Especially with the the her nephew Sam Schultz yeah. talking about like
2: yeah they who are these guys like, we fly with Tiger it's like why do you know who Tiger is I mean everything about him told me he would know who those people are I it's honestly <laughs> same he very much gave what's that nigga name that was running the fire fest Billy whatever it was, oh. he very much gave vibes of that guy like. <laughs>
0: Like NSYNC doesn't deserve to be in any kind of motion picture involving motion like this man
2: around y'all. Like, but also that really speaks to who they're targeting, though, right? Because you're, li- you're The reason why these songs were chosen is because you're very much targeting a very specific segment of the population.
0: Yeah, people in their thirties and early fifties.
2: When they're in their in their thirties and their early forties, who are the you know they're. Their kids are still little because they're still relatively young. Like,
0: I would honestly go early fifties too. No, because
2: in like, sync would have been too late for that group. Because the thing for is, the
0: kids not, though,
2: no, because it's they're playing this at the at the Lularoe retreats, right? Yeah. Like, so it's like if you think about who you, I'm not saying that was people in their early fifties doing this, but if you think about who your average consultant is they're, they're women my age
0: yeah yeah because you like, know let's I, never forget them 50 year old bitches out there lusting after them boy bands like nasty ass cougars
2: i mean they was but if you think nasty. Of like really the center like the central part these are these are women my age which is why i know so many people who did this
0: this shit the whole idea of just the whole idea of, and I continue to always go back to like women empowerment and.
2: But they're buzzwords. These there's the buzzwords that they always use when they're trying to target a certain type of woman. It's like empowerment, independence, you can be every woman you can you know you can still, you can have it all you can it's it's like it's the a
0: bubblegum pop version of feminism it doesn't mean uh, anything it yeah. doesn't mean anything and it, the people that they prey upon using even
1: more so mm-hmm. there's
0: yeah. a there is a
2: a scam the, the stay-at-home mom checklist like it's like a bingo card like how many of these phrases can you work into this because that's right. how
0: you might just play. play mary mary in the background and put right. in of, uh, like, it.
2: it's gonna be the god in you it's gonna oh my god it's it's literally like playing buzzwords like there's a certain amount there's certain phrases you always hit if you want to target a certain sector of people
0: It's funny in LuLaRoe because they use both this watered down feminism, but they also gaslight you at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like, with the, I think it was like the drama triangle.
2: Yeah. They gaslight them, persecutor,
0: and rescuer.
2: But it's also so deeply steeped in religion.
0: Yeah, big time.
2: That it's like, not only are you gaslighting them with faux feminism and by making them believe that they're, accepting victimhood by not joining you yep but then there's also this like religious aspect of it where it's like oh well you want to be like a good wife and a good mother and you know you want to protect these values so you have to do xyz
0: when the woman, there was a woman leading a conference. Um, she says, and it's a, it's a very loose quote. Um, when a victim is telling their story, they are asking for validation. They're mm-hmm. looking for someone to say, "You have a right to feel that way." It is often an exaggeration. Yeah. One person having a uh, one person having a bad day can sour the enthusiasm of the group. Delete.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what it's saying is it, how dare you hold anyone accountable by expressing any kind of right. Emotion?
2: Like it's basically telling you like you're not feeling what you're thinking you're feeling. You're just being a crybaby.
0: And it it speaks to it speaks to the larger conversation just of whiteness and white superiority.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, especially coming out of this this, I'm just gonna say white company. Um
2: because yeah. it,
0: it is. It yes.
2: It's and a actually, centric company. Yes.
0: Speaking of white company, something that this documentary did not include that really pissed me the fuck off that they didn't. Lululemon was sued for um,
2: the racial uh, discrimination suit.
0: Racial discrimination yeah. because the worker was tormented um, by jokes and slurs.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it is kind of horrific. At least to yeah, me. It's
2: it's no, it's very much an aggressively white environment yes. where that type of stuff is very much like I'm not gonna say celebrated because I feel like that's a touch too far.
0: No, it was celebrated. <laughs> okay. It was celebrated because the actions, because the fact of the matter is this man went to HR multiple times and nothing was done, he was fired that's like the experience shit it like it was
2: very much it was very cultural i would say that it very much was of the culture of that company to to hold those type of views
0: um so while so, it,
2: i can't say i'm not going to say ce- celebrated just cuz i wasn't there and i feel like that's strong for a place that i wasn't a part of it very it wasn't it it wasn't frowned upon.
0: That's why, that's the thing though. It's like if it, when it comes to racial discrimination, if it's not immediately stopped it, then it is being celebrated and ingrained further.
2: Or at least it's being, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like using extreme terms like that is irresponsible. In my opinion, just because I wasn't there, but you're still, I mean, as a company, you're still very much culpable for the environment that you created, whether you can, you can claim intentional, not intentional. I don't really give a fuck because you're still very much culpable for the environment that you either create, that you created by allowing to exist.
0: Um, I, I'm definitely going to say encouraged to exist because things that happened to this man, um, the suit claimed the, that. that um, that's
2: the other thing because I knew the suit happened, but I don't know the full details of it either.
0: So, um, they called his hair black people hair, in that way, obviously. And um, they asked him if black people like corn nuts. They mocked him for drinking Kool Aid. Um, they told him that the cashews he was eating uh, looked like nigger toes. Um, he was moving objects back and forth, heavy objects, and they began seeing, seeing Wade in the water. He mm. was called nigger multiple times in the workplace on numerous occasions. Um, he said many of his co-workers heard him being called the slurs. His mother heard it as well. He complained at least four times to HR. Um, no one was ever punished. On July 13th, he complained to HR. And then the following day, he was following a couple of days, he was terminated. And this is why I say like, yeah, it was. It okay, was.
2: yeah, knowing the details because everybody
0: it, else heard it this shit. Changes
2: my opinion on it, it it changes my opinion knowing the full scope of it.
0: Like, this isn't just meant to demean, this is also meant to humiliate for enjoyment, especially, like, singing "Weight in water.
2: Yeah, and it, that's why I said it was irresponsible for me because I knew I didn't have full information. Having like, full information, thought. that's why I can now, I can say now very much was applauded, encouraged, appreciated, and everything else because I'm, I, I can firmly say that with a different level of information, you
0: know? And I really wonder what the, I really wondered what the difference was between because this man was in the warehouse versus um, home office, and in the Shea mentions.
2: See, the, 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 well, I can tell you what the difference is because in the home office, there's only a few, so y'all are the good ones because y'all made it here with us. Whereas the warehouse, y'all niggas are the workers anyway. It's they, like,
0: well, yeah, that too.
2: It's house and field, nigga. That's what it is. Like,
0: you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel I feel too as if um, Lachey Lache established Lache established a I'm here to get this done and don't fuck with me from the get-go. Yeah. Like when she mentions the story about when she first comes in and she's wearing Chanel
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Deanne comes walking past with her Gucci glasses and she looks over the rim and says, That's not Lularo. And she goes, Yeah, I know it's Chanel. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think she very much so establishes like th- the same like strong personality that Deanna um, projects does not exude, um, mm-hmm. but projects because in, in, all, in all actuality. Everything- it's
2: all an act. Everything about her is a production. Well,
0: I was going to go with everything about her just seems to, quote unquote, happen. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: everybody else seems to be the one directing her career. I mean,
2: everything happens
0: to her. To her. Like, oh, I found the guy selling the dresses, and the guy selling the dresses asked me to sell them. Oh, my daughter asked me to make this skirt. Oh, I started selling skirts, but I didn't know how to run a business. And my husband said, do this. Like, everyone seems to be, it's, according to her,
2: it's perpetual guiding
0: her on the way.
2: Like, she's just failing uh, the perpetual happenstance.
0: And also, too, that doubles back to the secret of femininity of her just continuing to play this, like, docile person. So much so that it's unclear whether or not she's actually president of her own fucking company. She's listed but, as a founder, but her husband is definitely the CEO. But you know
2: what, though? That... I took that. That gives very Lady Macbeth, right? Where it's like, she very much is running this, but to sell the image, this is how we do it. Where it's like, you know, I'm doing this, but it's because my husband's here to help me. Because right. that's what a good wife does, where it's very much like she's really running the shit. He don't know what the fuck is going on.
0: Um, I, I mean, just- he knows
2: because of the type of person that he is, but he he's, I, I, I don't believe for a second that she's allowing him to call all the shots. I just don't believe it. It doesn't ring true to me.
0: I think there are, I think they have their things. And I think he has his things that he very much so does not have her included in. Um,
2: Yeah, but I don't think it has nothing to do with this. Oh no, I
0: mean with the business.
2: I don't think it has nothing to do with the business. Like I said, she gives very Lady Macbeth, and it's I just I, I just have a very hard time believing that she just is so like she's just outdoing him to just oh you know he's just gonna do everything else because I'm a good little soldier. Like I just don't. No, I
0: don't believe it's all of that, but I do believe that there are some just. That gut feeling of looking at Mark, I believe there are a couple of things within the realm of the business that he definitely has under lock and key that very few people know about, including her.
2: Yeah, but I don't think it's as much as she tries to give off.
0: No, definitely
2: not. She, She knows a lot more than she tries to present. But if she presents that she's super active in her business, that ruins the image of the LuLaRoe woman.
0: Which is ridiculous because they tell every all of these women you need to be working relentlessly getting nannies and assistants despite this business supposedly bringing your family closer together.
2: Yeah, but- like None possible, of this makes sense. But you do all this under the guise of retiring your husband because you're being a good wife. Right. So if that's what it takes to be a good wife and retire your husband, that's why you do this. Because you don't do it for anything of your own enjoyment volition or anything else it's a hundred percent about so you can be more available to other people
0: well available to LuLaRoe yeah speaking about being available to to LuLaRoe you if you were lucky enough you would have to make yourself available for two weeks in probably November to go down to Tijuana yeah um I think we should wrap up on Tijuana we pretty much covered like pretty much everything We got a
2: good chunk of it.
0: It's really
2: the legal stuff left.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, Courtney begins speaking about uh, what she refers to as being the LuLaRoe Tijuana Skinnies. Um, It was a group chat of women who either were planning to go down to Tijuana or uh, had already gone down to Tijuana to get the Tijuana two step. Um yeah. No, that wasn't the Tijuana two step bitch. That was from the lady in the Dale.
2: Yes. I knew exactly <laughs> I just kind of went in it because I'm tired, but I knew exactly what you were talking about.
0: Uh so the the whole point was to go down to a clinic under the, I believe it was under the name of um obesity not for me or no obesity for me, something along those lines.
2: Something like that.
0: And to have a glass gastric sleeve put in place, um, which is already um, slightly precarious, going out of more than slightly precarious, leaving your country, your home country, uh, the place where you can hold people accountable if something was to go wrong, to go out of the country and receive a, a, any kind of surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deanne, according to the video that they actually show of us, where she's giving a small interview to Dr. Michelle, who is the doctor who performs this, um, she states that she brought roughly about 18 women down to receive this yeah. um, surgery. Well, Courtney, who in the documentary and I caught, I caught this, Courtney, who in the documentary says um, someone suggested that she stay stateside and get the balloon, which is you know reasonable and makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. However,
0: in the Vice documentary, she said it was her sister who told her to get who had that done. Which hmm. I thought was just very interesting that you so like saying switching from sister to somebody is very different than saying you know best friend to somebody. Yeah, you know I mean? like yeah. that was just something very. I don't know why the switch? I don't either. I don't either.
2: I wonder. Huh. It was.
0: It, it was a little like, huh? That's interesting.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but
2: was really, a sister
0: or like she said her sister. I was like, huh. It might have been her sister, or her sister-in-law, but it was like it was a sister family member.
2: But to switch from that to somebody, somebody I'm more somebody inside of Lularoe who don't want to be named. I who know.
0: Um, I actually thought it was like okay, maybe it was your sister, and because of well, what ends up happening with Courtney is she has an adverse reaction to it, um, essentially passes out.
2: To acknowledge that at the time when all this was going on. Those sleeves were pretty new, right? I mean, the uh the balloons were pretty new. Yeah. So a lot of people were having different reactions to it because it was a very it was a pretty new procedure to be getting done. Like granted, now people get them done all the time, and it's the reaction to it are still missed on as to whether it's worth it or they work or however you measure those type of things. But It was a very different time then.
0: Yeah. I was thinking honestly, not every procedure is meant for everybody.
2: No, very much, no, not at all.
0: And but least of all, would I be going, I wouldn't be going to Tijuana to now listen,
2: I had the gastric sleeve done. But it wasn't
0: in Tijuana.
2: No, it wasn't. But the thing, because I've had that. That done, I have talked to a lot of people, right? Because you know, you go through those like group counseling sessions and shit like that. That's why I will like go to Mexico and everything else because you can get it done without all these requirements. Because here in the States,
0: that and it's cheap.
2: Well, yeah, but bigger than the cheap it's because here in the United States, to get that done is at least a year. It's like a year, at least a year's worth of doctor's visits before we even get to the point of scheduling a surgery. Yeah,
0: as
1: it should be.
2: A year's worth of doctor's appointments to get approved for the surgery. So it's like if you want to skip all that, you go to Tijuana or the Dominican Republic or um, some Eastern European countries. You know, like I, I know people have been going to what Poland or Hungary or something.
0: Yeah, um, I want to say Ro- it's like Hungary or Romania. It's one of those. Yeah,
2: because Hazel E just got stuck over there.
0: No, she didn't.
2: She had like a t- she went and got a mommy makeover in either Poland or Hungary or somewhere over there, and had like a terrible reaction. And damn, exactly die. why damn to die behind it. Like
0: this is why I said. Why would you go out of the country for this kind of thing? Yeah. This is a, this is a non-life threat, not life-threatening. Um, this isn't a life-saving measure. This is
2: well, cosmetic it be, surgery. Um, it could be a life-saving measure, depending on.
0: But if, you, if it's a life-saving measure and it's being done out of the country, um, nine times out of ten, it's not cosmetic.
1: No.
2: Like, it's,
0: it's not about the physical aesthetic. Yeah. And in the case, at least, of these women, um, it like they're getting, could be part life saving, but it was mostly done
2: but to fit in with the
0: now, image of But These
2: particular women, because none of them were particularly big, none of them would have gotten approved. That's
0: what I in mean, like right?
2: the United States. Yeah, they, and none
0: of these women that they showed, I was like, okay, so y'all y'all thickums, y'all got y'all big bone, whatever.
2: None of them would have been approved.
0: You here. look like the women that you're, you're going to be selling your clothes to.
2: But that's just it, because it's like you you don't you're not supposed to look like you don't
0: them. you're not supposed to look like them. You're you not want supposed them look like to want client.
2: to see you, which is why they come buy these clothes.
0: Yeah. The whole okay, one thing too, um, and I know. So remember when I was talking about Lachey mentioning things, and I know for a fact that they cut this shit out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So. I'm gonna say alleged, right? Alleged, 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 a window ledge, uh, legends of the hidden temple, all of the legends. So apparently, Lachey was saying that um, she was. She made a remark in this podcast, and I'm. It's I'm paraphrasing. She said something about like, oh, I like to get high, but not as high as Deanne. Oh yeah. So she was talking, and she was a very quick statement. She was talking about how um, Deanne would go to Tijuana for pharmaceuticals. Once again, Legends of the Hidden Temple, a Um, legend, a window ledge, um, uh, Legends
2: legends of the Deep, deep. X-Men legend. her, her pill problem has been widely talked about, but never confirmed.
0: They also never that's why they there was things that I know for a fact she talked about that they were like
2: no. Nah. but she looks high in this documentary. Who Deanne? Yes.
0: Deanne looks like she took some uppers. No shade. She, she looks, looks like she's
2: high and very manic.
0: Like on Finn Fin.
2: Like it's she looks very, very high and very, very manic all through this.
0: Which you know you know that their like their entire interview was nothing more than Tammy Faye and Jim Baker.
2: Oh, very much so.
0: Yeah. The entire time I was watching it was like, this was like this is so. Tammy fucking Faye.
2: Yes. Yes, it is. And we all like know she turned up. Right?
0: Well, it you know, it didn't turn out well for Tammy Faye because she ended up with her talk show and she she actually broke some she actually stirred the pot, worked Tammy Faye.
2: That's what I'm saying because I that's why I say Deanne gives very Lady Macbeth because this very much feels like she's telling the story now to set up to come out of this unscathed, or at least minimally scathed. You know what I'm saying? It mm-hmm. feels like she's pushing it off onto him and he's just letting it happen because he doesn't quite understand what's going on.
0: Yeah, especially not if you niggas are using Excel sheets. And fucking Google Docs talking about, well, by the time we got the program to stand up, not start up, right. to stand up, it was obsolete.
2: Which on. is why I don't believe that... So it took
0: did. y'all six years to get the pro- program going?
2: And that's why... So that I was I, one program. That statement right there told me all I needed to know about him. That's why I make don't sense. believe that he's this, like you know like titan of industry and these like i just don't believe it
0: right but even if you were as as ghetto and stupid and counterproductive as using an excel spreadsheet even if you were using it there are very basic and better ways to set it up as far as data entry is concerned no, very much. anybody with basic level knowledge could
2: concoct which is, which again goes back to my Lady Macbeth theory because it's like he, it's there's too many missing pieces. It's too and He many. could be playing me, I don't know, but there's too many because it's like you you tell us this whole story about how you started this essentially out the trunk of your car out your Tupperware cart your Tupperware containers your
0: Without your sister, your sister was nowhere found.
2: Without, with nobody. Like, you done went to Target and bought a couple of 25-gallon Tupperware containers, and you selling this shit out trucking your car, and you selling all this, these dollars worth of inventory. And then the second the company becomes like an established company, now he runs everything? I just mm-hmm. not, I can't believe it.
0: Um. So in that interview with a young woman who knew Deanne as a, a younger lady,
1: mm-hmm. she would
0: talk about how um, she said she had experienced going to one of her parties and she could see how frantic and, or- and unorganized she was, mm-hmm. i.e. just kind of continuing to play in that role that, like, I'm a helpless woman role. Yeah. It's so stupid.
2: It's that role because now it's like, look, I'm just like you, but I did it so you can too.
0: Yeah, no one's like you. No one's like her. Thank God. No one. Like, well, no, there's uh, there's sixty, well, eighteen thousand, excuse me, currently eighteen thousand people who aren't are like her. <laughs> um, which I was trying to find a Lulu rep. Lulu, mm, Lola, mm, Lula Ro. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was so hard. Uh, I was trying to find a Lulu. Oh, God damn it. A rep here. And I'm going to take another look, but I don't think I saw one.
2: I mean, Detroit's very black. I doubt you're going to find one. You would have to go outside the city to find one.
0: Well, that's what I was expecting was at least like a Royal Oak, a Ferndale, um, a Harper Woods.
2: The people that I know that got involved don't want to talk about it because I definitely reached out to a couple of people like, "Would you want to talk about your experience?" And they were like, "No," because that shit was so traumatizing. I just want to forget it. Plus, they,
0: to be perfectly honest, Lula um, is very sue happy.
2: I was like, they're oh. very litigious. That's the other thing.
0: The apparently, and I think it was 2019, Deanne and Mark. Um, as LuLaRoe sued Mm Pippenhane another MLM but guess who owns Pippenhane her sister Diane Mm -hmm. and they accused her sister of stealing retailers from them
2: Yeah. they also would go on these like Facebook live rants telling everybody how they're stuck with inventory because they fucking suck
0: yeah like, oh my inventory still. No, you're still. And what you like, after that is you're still, your customers are still. You gotta get out there and find some more. Um, yeah, I was like, okay, come on, y'all. Just if you're gonna play this clip, play the whole crow because it's the degrading and then the, the force to action afterwards. But like
2: all to action after consistently degrading them.
0: Yeah, as opposed to just going, you're stale. It's like, no, you're stale. Your customers are stale. You need to get out here and fix this.
2: And if your business isn't growing, it's because you're it's not because growing. You. It's because you are not its because you are not doing enough. It's, you know.
0: What did he say? Welcome to life experiences may vary. Yeah. Yeah, he gonna fuck himself
2: very very hard
0: and I, I truly hope that the like I hope the feds get his ass
2: cause I know there's criminal charges in here somewhere
0: yeah there's gotta be
2: cause I know that we've only scraped the surface of this so I know there's criminal charges in here
0: there's gotta be there like has to be literally
2: no way that there's not
0: like there's gotta be a dead hooker somewhere Mm, That's so- horrible to say out loud. I'm sorry.
2: There's something somewhere. Legends of the Hidden Temple. There's something. There's more to this than what we can see.
0: Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, y'all. Well, I think that wraps up this week's episode of Reality Rewind. Um. Remember, you can watch Lula Rich. Yes. Over on Amazon Prime, you can watch the. Very short form documentary about LuLaRoe um, from Vice on YouTube. There's also a lot of really good and interesting resources as far as um, MLMs and how they work. Um, Illuminati has one that draws more correlations between the Mormon religion and um, MLMs. Uh, Not the good girl is a black woman, a fucking black woman who got to the top of three different companies yeah. Three different fucking companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and she finally talks about like leaving these companies and she interviews a bunch of people. She interviewed Roberta Blevins. Um, Roberta Blevins also has a podcast too over on, um, I listen to it on Spotify. It's called like Life After MLM and there's like a, a new series that she's doing within that called Lula Bitch where she interviews like, she interviewed, that was the interview that I listened to with Lachey and Lachey, bitch, let me tell you, Lachey in the middle of doing this Zoom call was getting her hair done.
2: Of course she was.
0: So you hear all kinds of conversation and shit in the background. People leave him, Hey, hey, people coming in. It is, I was like,
2: bitch. Because she definitely like, does not give a fuck about none of this. She surely did not. And Roberta was like, yeah, I didn't
0: realize you were getting your hair done. She was like, I'm sorry, it's taking longer than I thought. And she's she just sitting there talking? Yeah, I mean, um, But that, I was that was a good interview. That was a good interview. That's a good resource to listen to. Um, I really do love cults and multi-level marketing schemes.
2: I like to read about them.
0: Um, I had a secret desire to start one, starting a multi-level marketing scheme.
2: I mean, Tyra Banks did it, you can't it?
0: But hers didn't last. I want mine to be eternal.
2: Hers didn't last because she was targeting 13-year-olds who don't have any money.
0: That and she was selling drugstore makeup that you could get cheaper in the drugstore.
2: The makeup was ashy as fuck.
0: It was. Actually, it wasn't even drugstore makeup. It was like toy store makeup.
2: Yeah, that shit was just ashy. It's like she's selling LOL makeup.
0: Right. Like, get that color change bullshit out of here, bitch. I'm trying to go to work.
2: Everybody I want this Crayola bullshit. Like, give me, like, I'm trying to beat my face, bitch. I need some shit that's going to actually stay here. You selling me lip smackers.
0: Right. Look, like, I'm just trying to look decent to go take this picture from my goddamn ID. End up looking casket ready with baboon lips. Yeah. No, And they're only baboon lips because you're having a reaction from the shit that's in lipstick. From
2: that bullshit ass lip gloss that she just
0: sold you. Ugh.
2: Beware, Tyra Bangs, this person.
0: Um, nonetheless all right y'all well thanks for listening um you can catch us uh here next weekend make sure to click the links in our bios for every single solitary thing we do
1: Mm -hmm. all right bye y'all